dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. Father Michael again. Uh, we're two, doing two in a row. So this episode is Mother's as well, finishing off the eight evil thoughts with the last five, anger, dejection or sloth, listlessness or achadia, vainglory and pride. Um, this is a great one because this is... is a, a topic that many are thinking about looking forward to and one that is very, very helpful to the spiritual life. Uh, we also um, give some very practical advice like for road rage when it comes to anger, one of the most common applications of anger in the world. And, and we give also some very practical ways of engaging with that anger and preventing it and dealing with it. Um, so if that's an issue for you, which I imagine is for most of us, uh, then check it out. Uh, because this is episode two, we wanted to get through everything. There is zero banter, maybe like three seconds of it in the very beginning. So no need to skip ahead. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. No banter. If you're a hashtag banter hater, <laughs> you can wait three seconds into the podcast <laughs> from this point on. Okay. Um... I wanted. I really want to try to get through all of the rest of the evil thoughts. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going so to try. If you just clicked on this, this is part two of yes, eight evil um, thoughts. So go yeah. back and listen to the first. So, one. so yeah. If you want the historical context and to hear about the first three of the eight evil thoughts, listen to the last episode, which probably I'm going to call three of eight evil thoughts or something like that. Um, and so we covered gluttony, lust, and avarice, and now. We are talking about anger, um, which this is my favorite. That's a weird thing to say. Um, what Cashin has to say about anger is my favorite section on his writings on the eight evil thoughts. That's the better way to say it. Well, that's interesting, mother. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to share with the world, Father Michael, about your spiritual daughter? <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to share that it's nice that I'm... I'm about 12 states away. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, that is mean. Father Michael. You have, you have, I don't know if you That's true. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't think it was ever actually out of anger, though. <laughs> um, there was one time that it was out of anger we, after Laura's wedding. The... When in the. Oh, <laughs> that, was, that was anger? I mean, it was something. We're not going to tell stories. I told, I told Maddie the story, and she was like, he deserved it. <laughs> uh, okay, let's just, let's see, let's let's share what, what Cashin says about anger. Okay. I do really struggle with anger, and so it's appropriate that it's um, my favorite, the things that he has to say. Like, they're very convicting. So, um, first thing that I want to share, again, I'm just sharing my underlines from this section of the Philokalia. So the first thing I underlined in this section was Cashin says, if you want to correct your brother when he is doing wrong or to punish him, you must try to keep yourself calm. Otherwise, you yourself may catch the sickness you are seeking to cure. Um, so anyways, I think we forget this not, I think. We forget this all the time, right? Like, we have some sort of what we consider justified anger. And so then we lash out at the person and it just escalates. Like, where do we see this the most? Probably social media. Uh, but it happens in person as well. 
And so just remembering that like, we're not helping to heal our brother and we're not helping to heal the problem if we're just escalating our own anger Um, because bringing another sin into it is not helping to solve the problem is pretty much it. Um, The way that Cashin says it is he says, no matter what provokes it, anger blinds the soul's eyes, preventing it from seeing the sun of righteousness, capital S U N of righteousness. Um, And he says, anger, whether reasonable or unreasonable, obstructs our spiritual vision. Um, So I'll get more into this later, but Cashin is very much an advocate for like, don't even worry about this thing that's called righteous anger because like none of us are holy enough to achieve it. So stop pretending that you're like, I'll get into that later. But um, so for those of you who are thinking, but like there's such a thing as righteous anger, there is. And like probably if we're arguing for righteous anger, we're not the kind of people who are yet holy enough to (laughs) actually achieve it. Um, So there's that. Um, Wow. I sound super judgy on this, (laughs) this episode. That's because I am (laughs) on this one. (laughs) No, it's true. Go back and listen to the episode. All rise for judge Natalia in which I share all about how I'm a judgmental jerk. Um, So um, here is, Here is the one point at which Cashin does say that you can be angry, which is you can be angry at the evil thoughts. Um, Not at Father Michael. Oh, you're pointing to (laughs) your brain. I was saying yourself. Yeah. No, I was pointing myself. Oh. I thought he was like, you'd be angry angry at your... I guess it shouldn't be yourself. He says, no. He says, when malicious thoughts enter your heart, expel them with anger. And then turn to compunction and repentance as if your soul were resting in a bed of stillness. Um, So I think that's the other thing is like he says, even when you're angry at the thoughts and you, you expel them with anger that even then you're not supposed to sit in the anger. Like you move on to, to repentance and to, to trying to move past the thoughts. You don't sit in the anger at them. Beautiful. Um, We're, we're supposed to sit in stillness. Um. Okay, so talking about, um, he then talks about when other people are angry with us. He says, we are often indifferent to our brethren who are distressed or upset on the grounds that they are in this state through no fault of ours. The doctor, capital D, the doctor of souls, however, Wishing to root out the soul's excuses from the heart, tell us to leave our gift and to be reconciled, not only if we happen to be upset by our brother, but also if he is upset by us, whether justly or unjustly. Only when we have healed this breach through our apology should we offer our gift. So he's talking about the gift of um, the in the divine liturgy, the the um, offering the gift of the Eucharist, right? Because he says... Um, because in in Matthew in the Matthew chapter five, the Lord commands us to leave our offering before the altar and go be reconciled with our neighbor. If we're not um, like to not offer the gift, if we're if we're angry with our brethren, and so um, so cash and literally, and and I've I've read stories of of saints who would do this, like they would literally leave the altar um, in realizing that so-and-so is um, not at peace with them, they would literally leave the altar, go make peace with this person, and then come back to the altar and continue the divine liturgy. Like I read 
stories of, wow. of saints who've done this. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, here is my favorite part of this section from Cashin. So, he's talking about how... Um, He's talking about how, I was just talking with you about this recently, Father Michael, actually, I think in a spiritual direction, but how we, we can't allow other people to become the excuse for our own anger. Like the anger um, is a problem in and of itself, regardless of the things that are triggering it, right? Like we can't just blame our anger on the things that are inducing the anger is what Cashin's saying. Um, like if we've actually achieved stillness, then those things aren't going to make us angry. And so he says, as long as we assign the causes for our weaknesses to others, we cannot attain perfection in long suffering, which makes sense, right? Like as long as we're saying that um, our state is dependent on the exterior circumstances, then obviously there's a lack of freedom there and we're not able to actually um, achieve uh, perfection in long suffering. So here's what he says um, that I found brilliant. When we try to escape the struggle for long suffering by retreating into solitude, those unhealed passions we take there with us are merely hidden, not erased. On the contrary, they impose on us an illusion of virtue and persuade us to believe that we have achieved long-suffering and humility because there is no one present to provoke and test us. I'm just going to read this whole section because it's amazing. But as soon as something happens which does arouse and challenge us, our hidden and previously unnoticed passions immediately break out like uncontrolled horses that have long been kept unexercised and idle, dragging their driver all the more violently and wildly to destruction. Our passions grow fiercer when left idle through lack of contact with other people. Even that shadow of patience and long-suffering which we thought we possessed while we mixed with our brethren is lost in our isolation through not being exercised. Poisonous creatures that live quietly in their lairs in the desert display their fury only when they detect someone approaching. And likewise, passion-filled men who live quietly not because of their virtuous disposition, but because of their solitude, spit forth their venom whenever someone approaches and provokes them. This is why those seeking perfect gentleness must make every effort to avoid anger not only towards men, but also towards animals and even inanimate objects, which always makes me think of like, I can always tell um, the state of my soul based on my response when there is a technology problem <laughs> or like when I'm trying to make a phone call to Father Michael and um, my cell phone service keeps dropping out and I keep losing him or he's cutting out or whatever. And like when that happens, Father Michael, like there are times where I cut out when I'm like driving and talking to you and you're just like, sorry, you cut out again. Can you repeat that? And it's, it, it might happen like six times and you're fine. After it happens twice, I'm like ready to throw the phone out the window. <laughs> um, and like, this is a, this is a serious problem. Um, so, uh, um, 
So anyway, so Cashin, Cashin shares this. He then shares a story of how he became very angry in the desert with the rushes because they were either too thick or too thin or, um, or with a piece of wood when he wanted to cut it quickly and couldn't or um, things like that. But I think it's important because so, so he talks about how like there's this twofold problem of when we try to retreat from people um, in order to um, just not have our anger aroused, there's this this twofold thing of the anger is not actually being healed. Um, it's just not being incited. And then secondly, we've now self-deceived into thinking that our anger is gone um, just because we're not around the things that are inciting yeah. it. And of course, like I want to give the nuance here, the the little pastoral nuance of like, sometimes we do have to remove ourselves from situations, right? Um, Avoid the near occasion of sin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we also, like, every time we have to do that, we need to recognize that there's something there that needs healed. And so um, I was talking to someone about anger recently and, like, the things that cause their anger. And it's like, we need to work on these things that are causing your anger because they're actually things that need fixed. But at the same time, the anger is a separate issue. And, like, that needs to be um, addressed yeah. as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess that's... Um, um, yeah, I have just a couple more parts to share about the anger section, but if you have thoughts to share now, I can pause. My, my brain actually went to a completely different Great. place for a okay. different episode. So. <laughs> okay. Um, so he also says more beneficial than controlling our tongue in a moment of anger and refraining from angry words, more beneficial than that is purifying our heart from rancor and not harboring malicious thoughts against our brethren. So this is the same thing that he he was saying when we were talking about gluttony, that like it's not just about the bodily fasting um, or the bodily asceticism. Like we really, the ultimate thing needs to be purifying our thoughts. And that starts, of course, with like stopping ourselves when we say the things. Um, but then that needs to be moving continually inwards to, um, to fighting the thoughts even as soon as they come in. Um, and I found this part interesting because if, um, if you listen to the first episode, I had mentioned that, um, envy is not one of the eight evil thoughts, but it is, um, Gregory, Gregory, the great added envy in. Um, so that's why it's one of the seven deadly sins. So, um, uh, so I found this interesting because Cashin says, when we have dug the root of anger out of our heart, we will no longer act with hatred or envy. So even though envy is not one of the eight evil thoughts, like Cashin lists it as a direct result of anger. Um, so I just found that interesting. Like, um, So it's more like the anger is the evil thought, which leads to the sin of envy kind of yeah. thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, that's beautiful. And then I mentioned the thing about how he's like, yeah, not even righteous anger. So I just want to read that part um, real quick. And then that's all I have about anger. The Lord himself teaches us to put aside all anger when he says um, from Matthew 5, whoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of judgment. This is the text of the best manuscripts. For it is clear from the purpose of Scripture in this context that the words without a cause were added later. The Lord's intention is that we should remove the root of anger, its spark, so to speak, 
in whatever way we can and not keep even a single pretext for anger in our hearts. Otherwise, we will be stirred to anger initially for what appears to be a good reason and then find that our insensitive power is totally out of control. Um, so, so Cashin's point is that like even the righteous anger is just going to open the door for unrighteous anger um, yeah. and to just like not even let that start. Um, yeah. I'm trying to apply this to like road rage, a very common, a very common moment of anger for a lot of people. Sorry. Yeah, we can talk about road rage. Let me just read the next sentence because I think it makes that point even more clear. He says, the final cure for this sickness is to realize, again, we're talking about these evil thoughts as sickness um, as we do in the East. The final cure for this sickness is to realize that we must not become angry for any reason whatsoever, whether just or unjust. When the demon of anger has darkened our mind, we are left with neither the light of discrimination nor the assurance of true judgment nor the guidance of righteousness, and our soul cannot become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that, that was one thing I was going to bring up, the, the, the blindness. It blinds the eyes. Mm-hmm. It, it, makes, it makes our perception false. We don't perceive the world or God or ourselves in truth when we have any of these evil thoughts, I know, but as, like, I, I see anger like, like blinding anger, you mm-hmm. know, blinding rage, that there's something where we, we, we don't, see clearly but i'm trying to say which like, that's what, the what thing the, he said at the beginning right like about yeah, exactly the, exactly the, it blinds the eyes from the, the son of righteousness reality. yeah um yeah i, I wrote that down because i love that uh but what like what do you what do you tell someone from a pastoral perspective what do you tell someone who says like i get in my car and i'm just i have road rage for my entire half an hour commute um what, what what's the wisdom here from evagrius cashin well, what, what's the wisdom here to tell someone who's actually struggling with that on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the things that he says is we should always bear in mind our ignorance of the time of our death, keeping ourselves from anger, um, and recognizing that neither self-restraint nor the renunciation of material things nor fasting individuals are of any benefit if we're found guilty because we're the slaves of anger and hatred. Um, so I think that... Um, like remembering our death um, and practicing continual remembrance of death uh, is just helpful of like, I don't want to die in a state of anger. Um, (laughs) But the, I think a very practical tool is the Jesus prayer. Um, And I, I, I actually know someone who said that the Jesus prayer helped them with this exact thing with road rage. Um, They were like, I would get so angry when driving on the road. Um, as opposed to driving other places. I don't know why I said on the road. Um, and they they got into the practice of praying the Jesus prayer while they drove. Um, and it's like, it's just harder to have anger in your heart with the with the name of the Lord on your lips. Um, so I think that's part of it. And, and the recognition of my sinfulness as I'm praying the Jesus prayer. Um, but I think that another just like practical thing, I, I've talked about this in other podcasts, I remember, but... Um, is to do whatever you need to to recognize that the person in that other car is just that, a person and not an object, right? Um, Like this isn't some object who's in my way as I'm getting to where I'm going. This is a person. Um, This is a person with wounds and a person who might have just cut me off because they're distracted because they have a heavy heart. This is a person. and, And we see this when like, 
I I have been so angry at someone on the road. Um, and then as I'm driving past them, all I want to do is glare at them. And then I realize like, it's someone I know that I actually love very much. <laughs> and, um, and like all of the anger is gone instantly. Right. And so there's clearly like, um, and in fact, I'm just embarrassed by my own anger. And so there's something there that's clearly like the anger is obstructing the view, like you're saying from seeing even the other person. Um, yes. and, uh, yeah. So whatever you need to do to see this person as a person, um, and maybe you need to talk to your spiritual director about what that looks like. Um, for me, it looks like, uh, I, I will come up with even the most ridiculous reason for why someone might've just done what they just did on the road. Um, you know, like they're rushing to the hospital because their wife is in labor or, um, or, they're so distracted while driving because they um, five minutes ago while on the road got the phone call that um, their child was in an accident or like, you know, um, just like whatever I need to do, I'll make up even just anything to. And I, yeah. I think that that, that makes a lot of sense for this example, because there's no, it's only helpful to do that. There's no negative consequences to, to making up a story in order to keep ourselves calm because we will never know. Like mm-hmm. we we're just going to drive past and we'll never know. Whereas I think there's other situations and this is where kind of our heart cries out for justice. we got to be careful doing that in other situations. Like say the first example that came to my mind was what if I have a, a kid, say I have a daughter who's a drug addict or, or, you know, a, a drinker. And, and I say, well, maybe, maybe I'll give her $20 and, you know, maybe she's asking because she's hungry, even though there's food in the cabinet. Or, you know, maybe there's things like this. And, and there, we, we, can, we can make up stories to deceive ourselves um, that actually can become harmful. And the, those, those, the, the ignorance can actually be harming us and others. But in, the, in road rage, it's one of those situations where, I mean, I've done that exact thing, mother, where I, I think... My road rage tends to be if someone is, if I think they're ignorant. It's not rage, but it's like if someone's driving in the, in the slow lane and it's just, I'm, this, I'm not even in a hurry, but I'm just, I'm, they're, they're driving in the, in the passing lane. I'm being slowed down by this and I, I'm going, like, did they not take driver's ed? Like, do they not know that this is the passing lane? Do they not know that, that, you know, you should not drive in the far left lane if you're just going the, you know, whatever speed you want to? Like, let people pass you. Um, then I tend to get a little bit frustrated, um, maybe to the point of rage sometimes. Um, and then if that's the case, I always do think, well, what if that's my mother? Let me just imagine it's my mother or my father or my somebody I love immensely, in other words, who's doing that. And it, it, it is ignorance. They just, or like they just forgot or they're not paying attention. Their mind is elsewhere. Like I would not be mad at them for that. Like, you know, so that's when I imagine them, okay, what if this is someone I already loved? And then it's easier to be patient and say, I wouldn't want somebody being stuck behind my mother and raging on her because, and that's what I'm doing to somebody else's mother <laughs> when I do it, you know, um, I do unto others. Uh, but then there's also the situation where I also will struggle with road, you know, type rage, road frustration. If, if I'm mad at myself for like getting on the road late, and I'm in a hurry and there I have a plan to speed a little bit and to get there when I when I want to, or at least not that late. And they're getting in my way. I'm actually not mad at them. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at myself for getting on the road late. And that's when there's a reminder of why am I getting angry here? Is it because 
of some perceived ignorance on their part, would, would I do the same thing or, or would I allow someone else to do what I'm doing to their mother, their father, their sister, their brother, whoever it is, someone they love immensely. And then also, am I really just mad at myself here? Then, then I am actually hurting the body of Christ and therefore that person by being angry, which is what in my weaker state I may want to do, um, but I should not be doing in that moment. So a deep analysis, I think, of why I tend to get angry um, is it because I don't like my job that I'm going to? Is it because I don't like the city I'm living in? Is it because I, I would, I'm doing something I would not want done to me or my family member? Is it because I'm actually mad at myself and I'm, so I'm raging at them? I think a, an analysis, usually by talking it out with somebody else, um, or even just a prayerful analysis could be very helpful to, to, you know, finding that, that fire of rage that, that's being built into us. Why do I have a tendency to that? Um, and then also, yeah, abhorring even the littlest, littlest bit of it in a way through smaller fastings. I'm going to fast from anger in small ways so that I get better at fasting from anger. And then for I, I can do it in the bigger ways once I've persevered in the small ways. Um, okay. Are you okay if I go to the next one? Yep. That's all great. I just want to keep going. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so... I'm, this is the part where I'm getting confused on the language because the next two of the eight evil thoughts, the first is listed as um, dejection and the second is listlessness, okay? Um, the second one, listlessness, is the one that we also know as Acadia or Acedia or Achadia. There's like so many different ways I've heard this pronounced. Um, so... I think Acadia or that listlessness um, would be sloth. And I think this first one, dejection, would be sadness. Okay. I'm willing to accept the correction that it's the other way around. Um, <laughs> so, but in this translation, what they're calling dejection. Um, I think would be sadness. Um, it's very and it's very. I think you're right. It's very difficult because they even talk about like these two go very much hand in hand, which is why they were combined in the seven deadly sins. Um, so the the first one on dejection, I'm going to say I think this is sadness. Um, so when this malicious demon seizes our soul and darkens it completely, he prevents us from praying gladly from reading Holy Scripture with profit and perseverance, and from being gentle and compassionate towards our brethren. Later, he says, it persuades him, i.e. the monk who's fighting the spirit of dejection, it persuades him to shun every helpful encounter and stops him accepting advice from his true friends or giving them a courteous and peaceful reply. <clears throat> Um, seizing the entire soul, it fills it with bitterness and listlessness. So again, listlessness is the next um, mm. of the eight evil thoughts that he lists. So um, it's very much tied in here. Then it suggests to the soul that we should go away from other people since they are the cause of its agitation. That goes back to what we were talking about with anger. It does not allow the soul to understand that its sickness does not come from without, but lies hidden within only manifesting itself when temptations attack the soul because of our ascetic efforts. So I think that this is really 
um, we need to make this nuance. We can't necessarily go into it, but I at least want to make the nuance that um, we're not talking about um, the chemical imbalances that are the cause of clinical depression. Okay, um, so this this dejection, this evil thought of sadness. Um, I'm not saying that it's the same thing as clinical depression. And I think one is a spiritual problem and one is a psychological problem. And the two can very much feed into each other. Um, but you can have dejection without clinical depression and vice versa. You could also have both. Um, and I think it's, it's very much like what Ignatius of Loyola talks about, um, like natural and supernatural consolation and desolation, um, is that the, the natural can build into the supernatural, um, but that you can have one without the other. So I just want to put that nuance out there. Uh, so, um, Cashin continues on. It is for this reason that, um, this reason that, uh, the, a man can be harmed by trying to run away from the things that God does not tell us to forsake the company of men. He tells us to root out the causes of evil within us and to recognize that the soul's health is achieved not by a man separating himself from his fellows, but by his living the ascetic life in the company of holy men. This is really just saying, again, what we were already saying about how um, we do need to step away from the temptation um, at times, the near occasion of sin, uh, but we also need to be working on rooting out the evil and not just like telling ourselves that when we're apart from it that everything's fine. Um, and, uh, and, and there are certain, like, there's certain sins that we just know, especially like lust, um, that we know that to step away and just retreat into solitude, that's like the worst possible response, right? (laughs) Um, and yeah, so, um, so, uh, just two more quick things on this. The, uh, Cashin says the only form of dejection we should cultivate the only sadness that we should cultivate is the sorrow which goes with repentance for sin and is accompanied, this is very important, and you talked about this in the last episode, Father Michael, and is accompanied by hope in God. Because um, we've talked about this many times before, that the devil also wants us to see our sin sometimes, but he wants us to see our sin to be caught in the despair of yes. it, to think that there's no way forward, to think I'm stuck here forever. Um, when the Lord reveals our sinfulness to us, it's always holding out a hand and offering a way forward. And so, um, so Cashin is very clear that the only sadness we should feel is sadness over our sin. And, um, and that that should go with repentance and then hope in God. Um, it's never just like you're stuck in this. It's the same thing as what I was saying with anger. Of He said like, we can feel anger towards our sin and then immediately move into repentance and contrition and move and like rest in stillness. Um, and that's the same thing that he's saying here. And then uh, the last thing I'll say, this is the very last sentence of the section. Um, he says that this, uh, he says we should shun... Um, Dejection as we would unchastity, avarice, anger, and the rest of the passions. It can be healed by prayer, hope in God, meditation on Holy Scripture, and by living with godly people. Um, And so recognize that... What are those things again? Sorry. Prayer, hope in God, meditation on Holy Scripture, and living with godly people. So I think this is really interesting because like, if you remember what I was saying at the beginning is that this evil thought prevents us from praying gladly. 
And from reading Holy Scripture with profit and perseverance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And from being gentle and compassionate towards our brethren. So he's saying that like we have to do all of the things, the things that combat this evil thought, we have to do all of those things that we don't have any good feelings about. Like we have to pray even though we don't have gladly prayer. We have to meditate on Holy Scripture even though we don't want to read Scripture. And we have to live with godly people even though... This is causing us um, to not want or feel gentleness or compassion towards our brethren. Um, so it's like we have to choose the the exact opposites of what's happening in us with this evil thought in order to combat it. Beautiful. Um, side note on that, uh, there's a book called The Antiretikos. I read this for The Great Fast a couple of years ago. Um, Antiretikos means talking back. Um, and it's, it's, um, a compilation of, uh, Evagrius used scripture, um, to, to speak against the evil thoughts. And so it's got the eight evil thoughts, this book, and then Mm -hmm. it's got a bunch of scriptures that combat these thoughts. Um, I will say that, um, I really liked the book. I would recommend it, Antiretikos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that often when he's using the scriptures to combat a particular thought, um, I've and I've seen lots of the fathers do this, but like they're really stretching the scripture. I'm like, yeah. I don't think that's what it meant. That's very out of context. That's like a huge stretch. But what I did find really helpful with it is even just like, So he would say, um, in response to this thought, and then it would be this like oddly specific, like in in response to the thought that such and such brother um, is hateful because he didn't rinse the dishes. um, This is the scripture. And like whatever the thing is. Um, And just like oddly specific. Um, So I actually found that part, the like naming the evil thought, even more helpful than having the scripture to respond to it with, because it's like Evagrius articulated evil thoughts that I was having that I wasn't even recognizing within myself. Um, And so to be able to have that articulated uh, made it easier to combat it, I guess. Yeah. Um, So. And also the, 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 the word of God is always living and active. It's the spirit that, that, that can move us. So, you know, that there's, we we have to we use our reason. We have to read it in the and the context is very important. But there's also, I think, those moments of. I remember when I I did a little video for Christophanic where I was, I was I vested as a Roman priest and he just wanted me to elevate the host. You guys maybe have seen this on EW, EWTN. They play it like little 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 between other shows and things like that. I've heard. But I would just I'd raise the host up and like we rented this like massive expensive camera. And, and like the producers and the videographers were there and everything at the cathedral in Denver. And then Chris comes in and, and he looks and like, we're surrounded by cameras and audio equipment, all these things. And then there's me, Bessie, as a priest holding this. And, and Chris goes, is that our Lord? And I said, oh no, we just, we literally went back and got a, we just got a host, an, an unconsecrated host out of the back. And he goes, like, I love, I love, like watching on TV and like, even if you see, this is a very Roman Catholic mindset, but it's beautiful. You know, when you, when you see a host 
on TV, like that's our Lord that you're seeing, even through the TV, you're still seeing our Lord. And and, and the, the fact that we were doing this with an unconsecrated host, I think was more appropriate to the cut, do again, cut, you know, do again, cut, do again. Like it would have been weird. To, I, I wouldn't have minded, but having our Lord there, but th- there is something about just infusing a moment with the word of God. There's something objectively beautiful about the word of God being read, processed. Um, it's like, it's like praying in a church with the Eucharist present or praying from an icon that, that has that, that, a graced mediation moment there. So turning to the word of God when we're struggling is always a good thing, how, how it applies in context even better. Um, great. Uh, sixth evil thought. Maybe we can do this, Father Michael. Maybe we do can it. do this. All right. Sixth evil thought against um, our sixth struggle is against the demon of listlessness who works hand in hand with the demon of dejection. That's the one we just covered. Um, so that's uh, those are Cashin's words. So listlessness is, I'm going to say, what we would call sloth. Um, listlessness is the one that we call Acadia, Achadia, Acedia. Um, and he says, uh, um, that in short... His attacks, i.e. the attacks of this demon, become stronger and more violent, and he cannot be beaten off except through prayer, through avoiding useless speech, through the study of Holy Scriptures, and through patience in the face of temptation. Um, So again, this is like very similar to the spirit of dejection that we just talked about. Um, But listlessness is, um, it's like... um, wanting to fill time through boredom or um, or not being content to just be and to be in stillness. It's a temptation to pull us out of stillness is I think um, how I would personally describe it. So he says, um, he's quoting the apostle Paul and he says, um, those who do not work, he calls unruly, expressing a multiplicity of faults in this one word. Again, we're talking about the work to which you are called, to which you are capable. I'm not saying that like if you're on disability, you're just lazy or something like that. That's not it's not what I'm trying to say here. So those who do not work, he calls unruly, he meaning the Apostle Paul, expressing a multiplicity of faults in this one word. For the unruly man, so the man who's fighting listlessness, the unruly man is lacking in reverence, impulsive in speech, quick to abuse, and so unfil, unfit for stillness. He is a slave to listlessness. Um, and then... Can you, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can you reread the definition that you read in the very beginning? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I read a definition in the beginning. When you explained what listlessness was, or what was the first line you underlined? The first thing you read, you, there was a quote. In short, his attacks, that one, become stronger. I don't remember. And anyway. more violent, and he cannot be beaten off except through prayer, through avoiding useless speech, through the study of holy scriptures, and through patience in the face of temptation. Sorry, no, no, it was after that. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I was just saying that I would call listlessness um, the temptation to draw us out of stillness, um, the temptation okay. to uh, fill our time, to be lazy, to be, um, to not want to do the things that we need to do, to not want to do our obligations, things like that. 
Because um, that, that's the, on the surface, that seems very contradictory. Like stillness seems like a lack of labor, a lack of, and I know that's exactly what you're not saying, but mm-hmm. like that, that there's a, a finding a stillness in not being slothful and not being lazy. Sure. Um, so it's um, a matter of, um, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. It's a good, a good clarification to make. Um, it's a, an avoidance of interior stillness, um, which interior stillness is not the same as laziness or as not doing. Um, so because listlessness is, or Acadia is, um, can be this boredom or laziness in the spiritual matters. I think that's the, that's the distinction. So like I'm bored in prayer I'm going to go do this other thing instead. Um, I don't want to be sitting in my icon corner in stillness. And so out of laziness, a laziness of spirit, I'm going to go watch this TV show instead. Um, So I think it's a a laziness in spirit, not necessarily a physical laziness. Um, So I think that's a really good distinction to make. Uh, He says, because he says, Cashin says, um, from laziness comes inquisitiveness, and from inquisitiveness, unruliness, and from unruliness, every kind of evil. He provides, he meaning, um, um, again, St. Paul, he provides a remedy, however, with the words, now we instruct such people to work quietly and to eat their own bread. Um, so he says, uh, Cashin, I'll just read this whole, this whole chunk here, which I think, um, is a good description of it. He says, the Holy Fathers of Egypt who were brought up on the basis of these apostolic commandments do not allow monks to be without work at any time, especially when they are young. They know that by persevering in work, monks dispel listlessness, provide for their own sustenance and help those who are in need. They not only work for their own requirements, but from their labor, they also minister to their guests, to the poor, and to those in prison, believing that such charity is a holy sacrifice acceptable to God. The fathers also say that as a rule, someone who works is attacked and afflicted by but a single demon, while someone who does not work is taken prisoner by a thousand evil spirits. Um, so this this demon is also called the noonday demon. Some people have maybe heard that phrase before. Um because it it attacks in a particular way at the sixth hour at midday, right? Um, and um, like that's the time of day at which often we're like feeling like I just don't want to do any work anymore. Um, I don't want to put the effort into again whether it's manual labor or intellectual or spiritual or whatever it is. Um, and uh, yeah. I don't think this is a tangent, but but the, the reason why I asked that earlier is because I thought, you know, liste in in Latin just means like pleasure or delight. Hmm. So so listlessness that when when we call it that in English, um, it just means that a, a lack of pleasure or delight. And tied into the way that you defined it with stillness, I almost think maybe a, a way of of an interesting way of looking at it would be um, to 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 test and see, to find out if we are being um, slothful or a full of Achadia, 
what do we do in in our in our downtime when we're not actively laboring? Because mm. well, when when it, when it says when he talks about the monks, like they're never without work, he means like it doesn't mean like all day. It means there's never a time in the in the life in the monk's formation where you don't have an obedience, where you don't have a like everybody has an obedience. Everybody's doing something. That doesn't mean you're working all day long till you crash. So. With your, with your leisure time, with the time when you're not actively working, you should have a stillness of heart when you're working, of course, but also when you're not working, what does, in other words, these moments that, that should be oriented towards a certain delight or pleasure, um, you don't have that because your, your leisure is not productive towards holiness, even if that's just rest. But what are you doing with that rest time? Are, are, are you looking for distraction during that rest time? Are you, are you leading towards more um, earthly pleasures that can become temptations towards other things like overeating or, or lust or, or um, anger? Um, or are you pretty much, how is your, is your downtime productive for the kingdom? Mm-hmm. So, so are you finding delight in your downtime or are you needing escape in your downtime or, or needing distraction from the the delights. We should delight in the company of others. We should delight in time of ourselves. We should delight in 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 giving of ourselves. We should delight in these things. Listlessness means chady means we don't delight in the things that we should delight in, especially the delightful things that that have to do with leisure, family time, Sunday, you know, things like this. Do, do we find those times delightful as oriented towards God, or, or is there a certain um, boredom, if you will, with the things of God that lead mm-hmm. me to, to trying to find stimulus in, in things outside of God. Um, well, I was very disappointed with somebody I, who they're, they're agnostic, but they, they own a shop and they just advertise their Halloween party and they put that they're gonna have tarot card readers there. And I just thought, Oh, really? You're, you're so, you're so bored in a sense. And I think Halloween can be kind of conducive to this. You're so bored with with the the mere physical that when the world gives you an opportunity for the transcendent with the spiritual you turn to tarot cards it's like mm-hmm. i don't think you understand how harmful opening yourselves up to spiritual realities that are not jesus christ that are not truth or beauty or goodness how harmful that can be and that's like that seems like a certain achadia is is even l- l- rushing after lusting after seeking after um stimuli that are not of God and therefore what is not of God is, is evil. There, there's an unhealth there. Um, but it's an interesting test to say, what do I do with my downtime? There's always nuance here, but is it, is it oriented towards the kingdom? And do I find pleasure where the, the places that I should find pleasure or am I always seeking, um, other things that, that are, are more distracting or an escape or, a, or stimulating it in ways that are not helpful to my spiritual life? Um, yeah, I think those are, I think that could be a really good um, assessment of, of where we're at um, in that particular area. I, I will say that if um, if anyone wants to read more about this, um, about Acadia or this um, evil thought of listlessness, um, a book that comes highly recommended from Mother Gabriella is Time and Despondency by Nicole Rockus. And I haven't read it yet myself. It's on my list, but um, it's like, there's also one called The Noonday Demon, but she says Time and Despondency is like a really good first one to read. 
And I think she's read it a few times and she's like led retreats with it and things like that. So Time and Despondency by Nicole Rockus um, comes highly recommended by Mother Gabriella. Uh, okay, I'm going to do the last two together. Um, they're very related. The first is Vainglory and the second is Pride. I really liked um, what Father Boniface said in, uh, when we had him on a couple episodes ago about, yeah, about the distinction between the two. Um, because vainglory is um, seeking glory in vain things, right? It's like the glory of the world. It's what other people are thinking about us. Um, so to be vainglorious is to want um, the honor of men, basically, to want other people to think well of us. Whereas pride is um, how we think about ourselves. Pride is um, to basically pride is like seeing our gifts from God as being things that we possess and that are um, as opposed to um, what the Lord is doing in us. Um, so uh, I'm going to read again a big a big section from this one on on vain glory, or this translation calls it self-esteem, this translation of the Philokalia. But um, Cashin says, the vice of self-esteem is difficult to fight against because it has many forms and appears in all our activities, in our way of speaking, in what we say, and in our silences, at work, in vigils and fasts, in prayer and reading, in stillness and long-suffering. Through all these, it seeks to strike down the soldier of Christ, and here's the, the tricky nature of the vice of self-esteem. When it cannot seduce a man with extravagant clothes, it tries to tempt him by means of shabby ones. When it cannot flatter him with honor, it inflates him by causing him to endure what seems to be dishonor. When it cannot persuade him to feel proud of his display of eloquence, it entices him through silence into thinking he has achieved stillness. When it cannot puff him up with the thought of his luxurious table, it lures him into, the, into fasting for the sake of praise. In short, every task, every activity gives this malicious demon a chance for battle. Um, and then uh, he ends the section, Cashin, by saying, um, the person who wants to engage fully in spiritual combat and to win the crown of righteousness should not do anything with a view to being praised by other people but should seek God's reward only, always rejecting the thoughts of self-praise that enter into his heart and always regarding himself as nothing before God. In this way, he will be freed with God's help from the demon of self-esteem. Um, so that's like, I, that's, that's pretty much the, the summary of what Cashin says about self-esteem or vainglory um, is that like, and, and it is tricky, right? It's like, um, if it's not going to be that I'm seen as, um, like having these fancy clothes, then I want to be seen as, um, being holy by wearing these shabby clothes or whatever, whatever it is. Um, so there's, there's that. And then, uh, just a few things that I want to share about pride is that, so Cashin says, just as a deadly plague destroys not just one member of the body, but the whole of it, the whole of it, sorry. So pride corrupts the whole soul, not just part of it. Um, and he he talks about at some point, I think, um, 
I don't remember because I didn't underline it if he does, but I feel like I remember him talking about how the the tricky thing about pride is that it's it's the one it's the one evil thought that um maybe maybe this is Climacus who says this. I don't remember. Um but regardless of who said it, it's a truth. It's the eight, it's 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 the one of the eight evil thoughts that as we grow in virtue, um, as we grow in its opposite virtue, it only increases in temptation. Um, so as we grow in humility, the opposite of pride, as we grow in humility, there's only an increased temptation to pride um, because now we want to be proud of the fact that we're humble. Uh, so um, so pride, and this, this I'm sure is why... Um, why Gregory the Great makes pride the ruler, um, and and Aquinas sticks with that as well, is because uh, it really is like all of the other vices. Um, as we grow in fighting those vices, then we're we're more tempted to pride, and so it's the only one that only gets stronger throughout our life. Um, this temptation, as opposed to uh, to being able to to weaken it. Are you are you speaking? Do you know you're still muted? Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is a. <laughs> I had your. I actually couldn't tell because I had your video hidden, and I was like, "This is just a very long pause." Oh, <laughs> because of my because of my internet connection, I have your video. Oh, that's um, funny. That makes sense. I have to do it every once in a while when the internet cuts out. Um, so, it's it's many times where people will think. How do I how do I actively work on humility? Because as soon as I think about it, I'm being prideful. Yeah, you know, because I'm like, well, I want to be humble. You know, it's it's it, there's such a nuance there, so I can completely see what you're saying. And we need to understand the nuance and and find that the growth in humility is is worth the the struggles with pride that may that may come along with it, and that that ongoing battle with the demon that 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 is through the course of the entire growth in that virtue. So those are the eight evil thoughts in two podcast episodes. Just to run through them again, we got gluttony, lust, avarice, anger, dejection, listlessness, vainglory, and pride. Yerp. And there there may be some other other words for those like achadia instead of listlessness. And, and sloth instead of dejection. Sloth instead of dejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. That was exciting. That that that's such a though. The, the I find a lot of people in in the West in these days, and as the West, I mean the Western Hemisphere, um, and even Western Europe are 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 fascinated by this concept. I, th- I think it it's one of those things, almost like a. It's a true form of what many people um, get wrongly out of. Um, astrology it like it, you know will they'll or like uh personality tests mm-hmm. you know you you do a personality test and you go oh my gosh i'm a number whatever on the enneagram or i'm a inf whatever on the myers-briggs like you know so there's 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 we we, we love studying these things because it teaches us something about ourselves so we're kind of fascinated by the fact that that i can be explained like I take a personality test and I'm like, I just thought I was the only person in the world that, that thought this way. But now here I am realizing like, this is 
a trait like like other people that have my same number or list of letters or you know strengths finders what i like i'm kind of predictable and and that, that that's a, there's a certain sadness to it um that I, I wish i wasn't as predictable but it's also kind of refreshing to think other people are this way too mm-hmm. and I, I think this can be that way it, it it gives a i have felt this way i have had this evil thought and when i hear it presented with eloquently explained well and then providing hope for it being overcome by christ with my help um that's just it's a beautiful thing that that's attractive to our current culture so thank you for taking it on as a topic mother yeah and and you know it's just it's a, it's a much more like it's a step of maturing in our spiritual life um when we can start to look at these things like when we're preparing for confession in particular um when we can start to look more at the roots like when we're kids, we have to learn to go to confession and to say, like, um, I lied and I kicked my brother and I um, disobeyed my parents. And, like, we have to, like, that's a, a good first step. Um, but we, sh- we, we should be, like, wanting to progress in that and to get more to the roots of things of, like, what is the wound in me? What are the thoughts that I'm listening to um, from the devil that are uh, opening me up to this? So that we can, you know, like when you go to the doctor, um, like if if you go to the doctor and you have blood work done, um, that's sh- showing a certain thing. And like whatever the certain thing is that's going on inside of you is causing you to have, like my, my POTS is a good example, right? Like I don't want to just take medicine to lower my heart rate um, because a high heart rate just happens to be part of what happens because of my POTS. Like I want to be actually addressing the disorder itself, um, and and that's what we're talking about here is like not just putting band aids on things, um, but actually trying to heal um, heal the disease and not just like yeah. the 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 wounds or the scabs, like to to get deeper down. Yeah. So great. Anything? I'm already, sorry, I'm already, I'm already writing out down my prayer intentions. <laughs> oh, great. Um, anything else before I just say the things? I don't think so. Again, that was I, I love how comprehensive that was. So great. thank you. Um, so in the spirit of vainglory, um, I will say that um, please leave us good reviews on Apple Podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and don't hurt my feelings. No, be honest, people. <laughs> be honest. And how about um, you just be honest and to fight the spirit of vainglory, I just won't read the reviews. There we go. Um, but only say nice things. Uh, and we are on Goodreads, Instagram, Facebook, mm, YouTube, audio only. Our website is whatgodisnot.com. Our email is whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. And the website for our nonprofit is fotina.org, P-H-O-T-I-N-A.org. Um, and I think those are all of the things that I am supposed to say. Uh, I want I want to give you reassurance. Um, this is this is one comment left on September twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. I wanted to pull it up for just because for your for your vainglory. Um, 
And the the comment at the top of this is on on Apple Podcasts. It says mostly quite good, four stars. <laughs> Love listening to Mother Natalie's insights and spiritual guidance, but Father Mike is often way too unserious and lazy about things. <gasps> Did they actually say that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that makes you laugh. But if it were me, it would make me cry. This is <laughs> how very I mean. different we are. This That's, is because I, I you're not vainglorious, this. and I am. I know. I re- well, I really the, the the problem is is I is, I don't know how many to listen to, and they may be correct, and I may be wrong, but. Um, I, I, that's not an insecurity of mine. I don't think I'm too unserious. I know I'm unserious, but I don't think I'm too unserious. And I know I'm not lazy about things. So uh, it's just, it's, it's interesting. Sorry. And whoever, whoever wrote this, <laughs> I apologize for kind of pointing you out. Every other, every other word around it is just all favorable. Five stars and we love you guys. Thank you. Um, I just point out this one because it's funny because we always focus on the negative, but, um, it's not an insecurity. So I, I can laugh about it. Thank God. That's funny. Um, okay. Great. Uh, well, Father Michael, good to be with you. Um, you as well. And love you lots. And our listeners are great as well. Love you. Who are you praying for? Um, I would like to pray for a man named Armand. Um, he reached out and sent us an email, um, to just say that, uh, um, He's struggling because he um, put out a, a book. He wrote a book to, to try to support his family. And so just um, um, it's it doesn't seem to be going as well as, as he had hoped. So he's asking for prayers. So please pray for Armand. Um, I'm going to order the book. If I like it, then I'll recommend it to you guys and you can read it as well. But um I'm not about just like doing that if I haven't read the book. So, <laughs> um, but in the meantime, you can pray for our mom. Amen. Um, sorry, I can do three quick ones. Uh, first of all, pray for the pray for the the friend of mine, the agnostic one who's having tarot card readers come to his party. I just think that's again, this will come out after that, but um, I just think it's 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 obviously done in ignorance um, and and quote Halloween fun, um, but the devil loves us working out of ignorance or Halloween fun. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so just pray for them and everybody who, uh, who is, is able to, is participating actively in something that's harmful without them knowing that that's many, many things like that. Also, please for, uh, please pray for my friends, um, Robert and Mariella and their little baby that is due in the next 30 days sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a Death Cab for a Cutie concert with them the other night, and it was, like, the concert was great. I love Death Cab, but um, afterwards, Rob and I sat down with a cigar and a scotch, and it was one of the most, one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. Like, Robert, you are such a a deep thinker and processor, and you are very wise, you teach very well, you're very eloquent. And uh, Mariella went to bed because she's pregnant, eight months pregnant. But anyway, I I I love her too. She I know she's a listener of this podcast. I don't know if Rob is, um, but Mariella, you you have you know you know I love you and you know why. Um, you you have a certain uh, spark about you that's incredible, and I would love to have a deeper conversation. But thank you for letting me chat with your husband until I think three thirty in the morning um, that morning. Uh, and it was just amazing. I did not want to stop, but I was getting so tired. I was having trouble processing things. So please pray for Rob and Mari, Mari and their baby do soon. And then I finally pray for my friend who I hung out with last night, Mahalika. Uh, she's, uh, 
an amazing woman, an amazing mom, and I got to meet her mom, uh, Lupita, which was amazing too. And uh, but as as we all could uh, could use prayers. So, thank you. Great, um, Father. Can you give us a blessing? Lord bless you and keep you. Cause His face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord give you clarity of mind, protect you from the attacks of the devil. May He uh, give you delight and joy and hope um, in your spiritual journey and any way that the devil is tempting you towards the thoughts of anger, of isolation, of separation from good people, of uh, discontent with the truly joyful things of life, with a boredom with the church. May you pray that our Lord gives you the strength to reject those and to see clearly, not be blinded by sin or vice or evil thoughts, um, but to see and to sense everything clearly by his guidance, by purging of these things in our journey towards heaven. May our Lord give you everything you need, even the salvation of your soul. May the Lord bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.